Hello, young ward, and welcome to Absorbent and Yellow a SpongeBob Deep Dive, the podcast where me and my friends talk about the making of an animation for SpongeBob SquarePants. If you're just tuning in, welcome to the podcast. Welcome aboard. I should say, why? I should have said, welcome aboard. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Uh, uh, this is the last episode of season one. And so I'm sorry that you missed out on all the the fresh goodness of every other episode, but please, by all means, go back and listen to the rest. See, here's the cool thing about this podcast. I mean, there's certainly reward for um, listening to it, you know, live as it comes out. Not live, live, but you know what I mean. Um, I mean, I don't know how topical it gets, like how much current events we usually reference, but I guess there's some. But, uh, you know, also, (laughs) sorry, sometimes I observe really like, minute things i know that it disrupts the flow of the podcast but if you're all listening to this you must either like it or uh can stand it um but i've noticed things about the podcast that my thoughts get so meta man so this is going to be kind of a retrospective episode right and as i you know have listened to my own podcast I, I noticed quirks about myself that i hadn't noticed before and one of them is that with um conjunctions or or transitions i'll hear myself like not able to decide which one to go with so you know i'll be trying to pick between but or also or so or something like that and i'll hear myself go but uh, so uh, 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 i don't know it's funny okay where was i i completely lost my train of thought the reason i paused earlier is because i was like oh my gosh I'm about to comment on how meta my own thoughts are, but I just notice how meta my own thoughts are in talking about how meta my own thoughts are, and now that is distracting me. Oh my gosh. Come on, Sam. Think. What? Oh, welcome to the podcast. Oh, 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 okay, okay. I remember. I remember. Uh, you're also rewarded uh, for listening to this live because, you know, binging is cool, but I think that I'm... I might be over-binging. Uh, I mean, it, it was such like a revel, not revelatory, revolutionary thing, you know, when, when Netflix really got big, um, for the first time and you could just binge watch a whole show and then they started making new shows that just released all at once. But I gotta say, like having the Mandalorian to look forward to every week really is pretty sick. And, uh, what I'm saying is that I am the Mandalorian of podcasts anyway. If you are jumping in now, even though there are all those reasons to listen week to week, the cool thing about this podcast is it is structured around episodes of another show. And so you can just go back and listen to those episodes, episode, like pick an episode that you like, or, you know, my recommendation, I think that the best way to consume this podcast is uh, you watch the SpongeBob episode that we're going to discuss that week. And then listen to the podcast episode, I guarantee you, you will enjoy the podcast at least twice as much. Okay? Okay. Um, Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I was going to welcome you. And this is the last episode of season one. Okay, yes, yes, I remember. Before we get into the episode, we're going to do a little bit of retrospective on season one, since this is the last episode of season one. We're, of course, going to discuss the last episode of season one 
Um, but before we get into that, I have a little bit of listener mail. We've we've got a fair amount of listener mail this week, at least compared to how much listener mail mail I can't talk. How much listener mail we usually have. So this actually, uh, this bit of listener mail is from a while back, and um, it's from Mark Milligan, who was a guest on the podcast way back at the start of season one. And uh, he he emailed in to sponge at spamrobots.com like you can and said, quote, I like the show. And that was it. That was on August 11th, which I loved. So I responded with a gift, a gift. Gosh, dang it, Sam. A gif of uh, SpongeBob pointing at the tattoo that says, wow, you know, the upside down mom one. But then he said, but I'm also a huge fan of reoccurring segments. To which I said, yeah, I need to get music for the segments. But, you know, I don't have segments on this podcast, really. I try every once in a while. Um, and it just doesn't happen, you know. And Mark has told me, I think maybe three times at least, got to get some segments. Like, it's always, like, cushioned in a compliment, you know. But then he'll say, got to get some segments. I love segments or whatever, you know. Anyway. Mark, I'm sorry I let you down all of season one, but I've got good news for you. We have several segments this episode, starting with listener mail. So do you deliver your own mail or do you have your own mail person? But then who delivers his mail? Is there a never ending chain of mailmen delivering mail to other mailmen? Well, I guess a P.O. box could, in theory, break the chain. Don't you have a paper to write? So I know I kind of started the listener mail segment before I introduced the listener mail segment, but you know. I think that you understand why it made sense to tee it up the way that I did. Um, also, yeah, I, so I, such a great clip. Am I right? Am I right? Of SpongeBob talking to the mailman. Um, of course, we used to have the famous segment opening uh, clip bumper, whatever you want to call it, of my beautiful voice saying, listener mail, listener mail, listener mail. Um, maybe we'll bring it back someday. I don't know, but what are we, what are we doing on this rock? You guys, this rock just flying around the sun. What are you doing? Listening to this podcast. What am I doing? I'm really fine. I'm just slow today. Okay. John wrote in. Thank you, John, for writing in. He, he, he messaged me directly and. Just said that he's a huge fan of SpongeBob and that he was delighted to find a podcast uh, that shared his uh, love for SpongeBob and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and talks about SpongeBob. So, John, thank you. Um, listener Kai also wrote in. Shout out to Kai. Kai wrote, I think that I'm saying your name right. I apologize if I'm not uh, K A I. Um, but Kai writes in, great podcast. Does the show justice? I love the short and sweet messages. Please, guys, continue to uh, send them. I love them. Um, but then Kai also wrote in, oh, man, I gave, I gave myself the same link twice. Sam, your prep on this episode is subpar, or should I say submarine? No, that sucked too, Sam. That was a horrible recovery. Uh, Kai wrote in, <laughs> I'm sorry, there's so much self-hate on this episode. I promise I'm not struck. I need to quit acknowledging how I'm pausing 
Okay. See, this is why I need Morgan on to be like, you're fine. Just keep going. All right. Kai <laughs> writes in to say, also, he, he just, the he or she wrote in, a subject uh, line is spinoff. And then it says, his message or her message says, they're making another spinoff. And he links this New York Times article, which is, of course, blocked by a paywall. But I uh, read it earlier in the week and, and basically... Um, it looks like Netflix is striking a deal with Nickelodeon, both to get a lot of Nickelodeon shows back on Netflix, but specifically Nickelodeon will be developing a new SpongeBob spinoff for Netflix. Um, my thoughts on that, it kind of sucks. I mean, Steven Hillenburg, I think, clearly was pretty anti uh, spinoffs. And, you know, I... Uh, recent somewhat recently uh was going through every time i i discover a new like spongebob staff alum uh on twitter i will just like do a deep dive through all their old tweets to find if there's like anything interesting to read and there are a bunch of interesting tweets from vincent waller uh current well let's see what his title is uh he was creative director for a minute, um, replacing Derek Dryman and, uh, was promoted to supervising producer, um, after, uh, Paul Tibbet and then creative director position was eliminated. Um, and he's also executive producer and showrunner of the upcoming SpongeBob prequel series camp coral. And he said in a tweet, uh, back in, was this October? I think this was October. October of this year though it might have been last year he said I will happily stand by the work we have done on Camp Coral when people see uh, what we have produced they will discover that uh, that have expanded uh, I think that he means to say that they have that yeah they have expanded the Spongebob universe while holding to Steven's high standards keeping his characters true to his original vision and also um, you know, way back in 2017, somebody asked him why they've never done a crossover. And, and he said, Steve prefers uh, we don't do crossovers back in 2017. Somebody quote tweeted this back to him in response. And he said, to be clear, a crossover is not a spinoff. A crossover would be fairly odd parents meet SpongeBob. That was a definite no from Steve. So Vincent Waller, uh, clearly you know is under the uh of the opinion um that this isn't in any way going against steven hillenberg's wishes um but you know paul tibbet obviously in that infamous tweet that we've quoted before on this podcast um straight up said that it, it, it was some real like sleazy executive ing uh that went into the making of the show and outright said that steve would absolutely hate what they're doing um with this new show. And then, so the Patrick star show, I got to imagine is probably something similar and whatever this spinoff from Netflix is going to be, I'm sure it's similar. And so, you know, it's a really weird thing, like navigating as I try to read, like what different sponge alums thoughts are on it. And I mean, none of them are Steven Hillenburg himself. And so who's to say for sure, but you also kind of wonder like, are they in a weird spot where like they want to keep working on SpongeBob and obviously they can't, be like no this is horrible or like speak out against the creators and you know they don't want to like come across as disrespectful to the creators and stuff but even like uh 
Mr. Lawrence, in an interview I listened to him earlier in the season, talked very highly of the spinoff material that, you know, he even was like helping develop. Of course, Tom Kenny, all the voice cast are like super. I feel like they're more front and center uh, with the promotion of the show than ever. And so they're like all on board and stuff. Um, And I mean, even Paul Tibbet, like it's very, very sad. But like he even tweeted, like, now I understand why I got death threats when I took over the show, Um, which I don't think he deserved death threats when he took over after season three. Um, Nor do I think that he's like implying that. But even it seems like he is in this place of like, you know, acknowledging uh, people didn't want the show to continue or change how it did when I took over. So perhaps a similar thing is happening here, but maybe he's on the other side of the coin now where he's like, but I do agree that it should not continue in this way or whatever. I don't know. It, it's a weird thing. And I mean, it, it's even weird for me, like, <clears throat> cause I'm kind of caught in this place of this is a podcast for the first three seasons of SpongeBob. Uh, and you know, at first I was like, is that just because I'm a curmudgeon and and I'm like, uh, no, everything after season three sucks and uh, I want only my SpongeBob, you know. And then I thought, you know, I guess the other possibility is that like maybe that assumption is correct and the rest of SpongeBob does suck, you know. But I mean, I'm at peace with the fact that, you know, it, the first the original run was seasons one through three. And it does seem pretty clear that originally Steven Hillenberg's wishes were that the show not continued. I think that that was probably never going to be an option because of uh, Nickelodeon's hands uh, in things. Um, and they made the most of um, the, the what they could after that. And, and I think that, you know, it wasn't a cynical move on Hillenberg's part to hand the show over to Paul Tibbet. I think that, you know, dealt with those cards like the show is continuing how do you want to handle it? He then entrusted the show to someone that he trusted. Um, and he talked before his passing many times about how he thinks that Nickelodeon wants to respect his wishes. You know, he even said in one interview, like if they ever tried to sell fish sticks with SpongeBob on the box, he would put his foot down firmly and say, no, like that's not going to happen. So anyway, all that to say, it's very complicated. I am not excited for the you know, spinoff or whatever, you know. Um, but I don't know. That's the thing about art is just like, especially like pop art like this or very like consumeristic art, uh, capitalist, not, not capitalist, like, you know, business driven art like this. Um, it can feel cynical sometimes, but to some extent, it's just like people like what they like. And, you know, the kids today, maybe really love seasons four on even seasons you know 10 on and that's great they they can have what they want and i got the spongebob that i wanted when i was a kid um i think that people's gravitation towards the first three seasons kind of validates my feelings that it really does stand apart like significantly but you know i mean kids these days love the new star wars like a lot and that's fine. You know, I don't know. It's just, it, I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know. It's a complicated thing. I'm not going to support the spinoffs. Um, but, you know, I buy SpongeBob merch occasionally and stuff. And so I guess like in a sense, I do still support modern SpongeBob in other small ways. So all that to say, I'm not going to put my foot down hard one way or the other, but just say 
I love seasons one through three, and that's what this podcast is for. But as much as I want this to be a perfect love letter, I have in many cases forgotten or straight up screwed up facts uh, this whole season, which leads us into our next segment. Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! Welcome to Soiled It, the uh, segment within this podcast where we talk about things I forgot or got wrong. Ironically, you know, I had decided earlier last week, like, oh, I need to have like a a Soiled It segment um, because I'm just remembering all these things that I forgot or got wrong. And then today, as I was writing them down, I couldn't remember a lot of them. So they'll probably come to me in the future, or please, please, please do write into sponge at spamrobots.com and let me know when I get stuff wrong. I mean, be polite about it. I guess like, you know, I I don't get like a ton of people writing in, so I'm not, you know, worried about being totally inundated with corrections, but uh, it is interesting to me when I realize things I got wrong. But anyway, so let's just run through a few of these from season one. First, um, I (laughs) said... I say on literally the very first episode of the podcast, uh, you know, I, I started, I mean, editing wise, I think it was awesome, but you know, I say like, uh, the podcast where we talk about the making of an admiration for, and then it goes into the, you know, uh, TV announcer, SpongeBob SquarePants. So we hear the song or whatever. And then I say, you just heard the theme song for SpongeBob SquarePants as it originally aired after the kids choice awards, whatever, you know? As I've done some research, I think that I probably got that wrong. If if you know for sure, please write in and let me know. But I have wrestled a lot with the internet <laughs> the past few months trying to figure out how the heck SpongeBob aired. Because different sources say different things on if after the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards just uh, uh, Help Wanted aired or all of that episode one package being help wanted uh, reef blowers and um, tea at the tree dome. That's hard to say like all of those aired. And so I'm just like constantly confused because the show started airing in July, you know, and the, the theme song, like the, the actual theme song was like in production at the very end of all of those packages um of episodes which makes me think that you know that theme song didn't exist until july but uh i also find sources like citing that kind of recut of of the help wanted pilot as being from 1997 which would have been when they pitched it to nickelodeon not when it aired on nickelodeon um so i think that i got that wrong but you know there's a big old asterisk on that one um another thing that i got wrong most quotes from the show. So I used to, I don't know if I prided myself, proud myself. Yeah. Prided myself on, uh, this, but I certainly like enjoyed quoting SpongeBob. I still do. Um, and I used to say like, I think that I could almost quote an entire episode if you just like pick an episode to you and maybe I could, uh, but as I've listened to my own podcast episodes, I will find myself, you know, playing a clip, let's say Patrick says like, good morning, crusty crew. And then I will reference what Patrick said and say something to the effect of like, and then Patrick comes in and says, hello, crusty staff. Obviously I would never script that bad, but 
I just need to acknowledge that. I think that it's so funny. I can't think of a specific example right now, but you know what? Why am I in charge? Should I be? I think that I should. Please keep listening. Um, okay, next. Uh, I just want to quick acknowledge on uh, the last episode I kept calling um, the episode Fools in April, uh, April Fools, um, which in fairness, I titled it correctly, but just need to acknowledge that. This is more a, a forgot or missed thing. Um, I cannot believe I did not catch on the episode Golden Spatula. They keep referring to uh, pulling the spatula out of the ancient Greece. It's not the sharpest joke, but it is clever. I think that that is a joke on ancient ancient Greece. Okay. Some more things. Uh, this isn't really like, a, oh, I missed this and I screwed up thing or whatever, but uh, just some fun trivia. Let's just run through quick. I, I acknowledge some of these, but many episodes changed uh, titles um before they're airing you know and so even on like the production um cells you can see like the uh former titles before they changed so help wanted uh was always referred to as pilot um reef blower uh at one point was just referred to as pilot extension um plankton was originally going to be titled deep cover naughty nautical neighbors uh was going to be titled friendly fire home sweet pineapple going to be tired home Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy was going to be titled The Return of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Jellyfish Jam was at once titled Jellyfish Jamboree. Muscle Bob Buff Pants was originally titled Pump It Up. Fun, or F-U-N, uh, was titled My Fair Plankton. I think that we referred uh, to that on the episode. Squidward the Unfriendly Ghost was titled Squid's House of Wax. Uh, the Chaperone was Chaperone. I Was a Teenage Gary was Critical Condition. This one's fun. SB-129 was originally going to be titled uh, SpongeBob 3000, and then at one point also going to be How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Sponge. I think SpongeBob 3000 is a reference to Andre 3000, I'm assuming. And uh, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Sponge is, of course, a reference to... Uh... Ah, frick. The frickin' Doctor... Doctor... Gosh dang it. How I learned to st stop worrying. Dr. Strangelove. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Weird Stanley Kubrick film. Kubrick? Uh, okay. Uh, the paper was going to be titled Lemons Out of Lemonade. Um, Rock Bottom. We said this on the podcast. was going to be called The Wrong Bus. Walking Small was originally going to be titled Walking Tall. And then, in my defense, Fools in April was going to be titled April Fools, Neptune Spatula, The Spatula, and The Stove. And then today's episode, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2, was going to be titled 25 Words or Less. So those are just yeah, fun. Okay, final thing that I can remember that I got wrong. This is far and away the most embarrassing thing that I got wrong. On the episode Walking Small... I referred to the band M82. <laughs> this is the most boomer crap I have ever said. Maybe ever. Certainly on this podcast. <sighs> the band that I'm <laughs> meant to be referring to is, of course, the band M83. <laughs> so that was our famous segment, Soiled It. The last segment... 
our season one retrospective. I hate this channel. No! No! Going through season one of SpongeBob has been so fun. At the beginning of this podcast, I probably would have ranked my favorite episodes or seasons rather going. Well, honestly, I would have ranked it like either season two or three are my favorite. um, And then season one, there's just the three. So it's not a great way to, to rank them. Now, I honestly think that I would probably rank them season two, season one, season three. Part of that is because I just like have gotten better at kind of guessing what season an episode is from because I can distinguish more season two and season three. Obviously, season uh, one looks totally visually different. Um, But the more that I watched this season, like halfway through this season, I realized like there are some real gems in this that I did not appreciate when I was a kid. I think because I just assumed like, oh, season one is like the old animation and it's it it just it looks old. It doesn't look like fresh, new and cool or whatever. But this ep or this (laughs) I keep saying episode this season is so good. I I wrote down three words to try and sum up what makes this season so great. Um, And that first word is fun. Now, of course, this is just like fun in its own right, right? Like, you know, in a sense of like, oh, this is that, that was fun, whatever. But I really think that at the time, this stood apart as like, this is fun in a way that other shows are not like at the time of its airing, I mean, so like other TV shows, you know, would appeal to kids in that, like, you know, the main character's like, I'm cool. And I think that school is lame like you, but SpongeBob is just unabashedly joyful and hopeful and fun. On top of that, it's so the second word charming. Like, you know, I've referenced many times before how how Morgan often would be like, SpongeBob is so cute. And I thought at first like that that was weird to call him cute. But as I kept watching, I was like, no, the animators are definitely very intentionally like laying on heavy how adorable SpongeBob and his friends are. Um, And then that kind of leads into this last word, which is, I guess, a kind of a combination of the two. But specific word, but season one is so squishy. And by that, I mean, on one level, just like the the animation style is just squishy in a really delightful way, especially that pilot episode, like every character just looks like a doodle of Steven Hillenberg's and you can really feel like it's coming straight out of Rocco's Modern Life, the show that um, Steven Hillenberg worked on prior to this. Um, But then even just like the dialogue, the storytelling is so like squishy and all over the place in like such an endearing way. So I just love this season so, so much. I um, went through and ranked uh, all my favorite episodes in order i won't bore you um with like you know describing each and every one um but i'll i'll blast through them quick or maybe i'll just give my top five no top six i'll do my top six i'll tweet out uh the rest on the absorbent yell twitter if you want to look at my official ranking i mean none of these are set in stone but top six number six fun number five walking small number four (laughs) rock bottom number three help wanted and number two pizza delivery and number one sb 129 it's my favorite episode from season one the writers you know i thought like oh will i be able to tell like this is my favorite writer on um spongebob i suppose maybe it's aaron springer or sherm cohen because they do come up a lot in these like top six episodes but i think that i've just learned that like 
anyone when I'm like, I love that episode. I wonder who wrote it. It really could be anybody from the staff. But one of the things I think, uh, like the pattern I see here in these favorite episodes of mine is, and I know that this is going to be kind of weird and abstract sounding, but genuinely each of these episodes is either, um, kind of looking forward to the best of season two and why I love that season so much. So like SB 129 feels a lot like a, a season two episode to me. Um, or it's like the tip of the spear. This is what is the most charming of season one. And so obviously help wanted is that way. I think that pizza delivery is that way. Fun is that way. Um, just so emblematic of like the unabashed charmingness of season one. So I seriously love this season. It has been such a delight going through these episodes and putting this podcast together for you and honestly, mostly for me <laughs> and my enjoyment. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. I have already said this many times and I will probably say it many more times, but thank you listener for listening. Please, please, please. If you enjoy this podcast, do write in what were your favorite episodes from season one, write to sponge at spamrobots.com. Give us a review on whatever podcasting app you're using, and I'll read your review on the air. With that, let's take a quick break and then jump back in with one of our last episodes, Hookie. SpongeBob will be right back on Nickelodeon. Fishermen have quite an effect on our undersea friends. SpongeBob, have you finished swabbing the deck? Almost. There's a nasty barnacle under table nine. They're back! They're back, I tell you! I saw them with my own eyes! Oh, this is very good. The hooks! The hooks! How about a min? The hooks! The hooks! Can you make that to go? You don't know how lucky you are. The hooks! So there I was, minding my own business. I'd love to hear another of your riveting sea tales, but, um, I have to do my wastebasket inspection. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there's one. Fine. Don't say I didn't warn you. Warn him about what, Mr. Krabs? The hooks, me bucko. They're back. Beware the hooks. The hooks? Aye, the hooks. They dangle down and draw you close with their pleasing shapes and their beguiling colors. And just when you think you've found the land of milk and honey, they grab you by the bridges and haul you way up high. Then higher and higher and higher until you're hauled up to the surface, flopping and gasping for breath. And then they cook you, and then they eat you, or worse. <laughs> what could be worse than that? Gift shops. Welcome back to the episode, Hookie. This is a very fun, funny episode um, and very disturbing, but in a way that I find delightful. Uh, might disturb other people, I suppose, but, you know, that's why I love SpongeBob. Um, <clears throat> this episode, uh, guest stars, perhaps you saw, if, if you, you know, watched the episode before this, you saw that this is guest starring John Leary and Jim Jarmusch. Apologies to John and Jim if I pronounce your names wrong. They, I don't know honestly who they are, but John Lurie is a, uh, or was rather a, an independent filmmaker back in the 90s, I want to say. And he made a, um, 
a series called Fishing with John, an independent film series called Fishing with John that was basically like comedians in cars getting coffee, but it was him fishing with his friends, uh, his his famous friends. Um, and the, the clips of the fishermen from this episode are pulled straight from uh, that first episode, which is very, very fun, except for, of course, the opening to this episode which made me laugh very hard but it is like just some janky photoshop after effects something probably flash actually um of just cut out pngs of of men in boats (laughs) floating in front of the like classic bikini bottom uh islands uh background at the start this episode is really fun because we get some of uh you know mr crab's kind of like sea time uh stories uh his like it almost feels like he's got like wartime PTSD or something from these hooks, um, which is just really fun. Mr. Krabs is clearly meant to be someone who like has a long history in the Navy and now like owns a restaurant, um, which is just really, really great. Uh, some very, very clever writing in this episode, um, like especially visual writing, of course, storyboard driven show. It's, it's mostly visual, um, but we, we get uh, a, kind of setup that will be paid off later where Mr. Krabs uh is what looks to be like a, a a digital um digitally animated shot. He's he's dangling his uh claw as a hook in front of SpongeBob and you see it reflected in the pupils of SpongeBob's eyes, which is not only good for just showing how terrified SpongeBob is, um, but also it's gonna be called back later, which I will point out when we get to it. Um I wrote down in my notes, there's something so great about Mr. Krabs warning innocent little SpongeBob. Uh, And it's like a very specific feel um, that comes up in the show a lot. And I'm I'm sure if you're like a fan of SpongeBob, you can kind of like feel this with me. I think that, you know, you get it referenced some in uh, 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 Scaredy Pants. Um, Mr. Krabs kind of like exploits that, you know, Um, but this episode as a whole felt a lot like uh the um i can't remember the exact name of the title off off of uh my head but the sailor mouth you know where spongebob and patrick learn how to swear mr krabs has a very similar role of like now me boy like kind of talking down to them and like a fatherly kind of way um and you can just tell that mr krabs has so much wisdom and and spongebob like looks up to him so much um Got a shout out to there's a wedgie joke in this. I don't know why, but our childhood, I feel there's just like wedgies were just like such a thing, you know, like John Mulaney jokes about how when he was a kid, he thought that um, quicksand would be like one of the biggest problems he would have to deal with growing up. I feel like for me, it was like wedgies was one of those things. Anyway. Just funny. I freaking love the fear of gift shops. I love that that will kind of come up a few times uh, in later episodes with like, uh, you know, threatening to spray each other with uh, hot tartar sauce and stuff like that. Um, But I just love like that just hell for these characters would be to be eternalized as like a, a sundry gift shop item and then of course that that is the like climax of well a, a big moment in like the spongebob squarepants movie is like such a fun callback so spongebob is super super cute um with him like hiding underneath the box and then quickly getting back to work but spongebob 
thinks that, you know, he can avoid the hooks just fine when a friendly face enters the story and has other plans of his own. Good morning, Krusty Crew! Hey, Patrick! Guess what? The carnival's in town! Come on, let's go! I can't leave now, I'm working! It's not leaving, you're just taking a break! We're going to the carnival, going to the carnival! <laughs> I I love the cute, like, uh, working face that SpongeBob has while he's working in the kitchen. Um, also, someone remind me, or maybe you can help me do this. I need to make, at some point, a, a supercut of every time uh, Patrick says, Good morning, Krusty Crew. I think that that's just so fun that that's, like, a recurring line of his. Um, and that he both loves the Krusty Krab and just, like, wants to support that local business and SpongeBob's job specifically. So odd and random that he would be popping in through the back window, um, but really, really fun and really cute. Um, the dramatic irony or kind of juxtaposition of this next scene of uh, the joy that Patrick has and SpongeBob's kind of confusion um, with like the terrifying music playing in the background is so fun. And this is just like a minefield of hooks dangling like should be terrified and you the the child watching this know like oh my gosh they need to not be there they need to get out of there again uh sorry if i say this too much but i i just feel like they draw upon this too in the spongebob movie um with the field of of fish skulls um but uh so fun and then i was like holy crap when they show like those tennis shoes lying there like that is dark like there is some of the darkest sponge uh humor in all of spongebob in this episode which is just so so funny doesn't look like any carnival i ever oh excuse me oh Patrick, don't touch it! This isn't the carnival, Patrick. Those are hooks. Mr. Krabs says they're really dangerous. Hmm, I sense no danger here. How could they be dangerous? They're covered with free cheese. All I know is Mr. Krabs said, Patrick, don't do that. Mm, cheesy. No danger here. Go on, try it. But Mr. Krabs said... SpongeBob, let me ask you something. Does this look dangerous? Ah! Patrick, don't! Lighten up, will ya? Or do I have to eat all this cheese by myself? Oh, Patrick! Help! Oh, Patrick, help! Oh, Patrick, come back! Oh, my best friend! Uh, you gotta appreciate some classic running around and then running straight into something and falling over humor. Um, this is so funny. This episode is so funny, but holy crap, this whole scene is so disturbing. Both the hooks laying everywhere, the tennis shoes, but then Patrick's like mouthful of hooks and like scratching the back of his throat, like with the hook is so messed up. Um, the shot of him, like with a million hooks in his mouth actually was cut <laughs> from, uh, like the episode in the UK airing of this episode, which is just shows you how over the line um, it is um, them like being pulled up to the surface. It's just so funny. And like, especially Patrick being pulled up at first is so spooky because, you know, at, before this time, you really don't get any 
you know, scene of the surface other than like the opening establishing shots of Bikini Atoll. Um, and then, of course, Sandy's rocket then blasting off and past the moon. But the surface feels like a very like eerie and like almost scary place in this episode, which works to great effect. Um, I don't, it feels like almost like heavenly or like you're passing over to the other side. Cause of course, like, you know, we also have like things deeper than bikini bottom with rock bottom. Um, and that is creepy in its own right. But yeah, there's just something so otherworldly about the surface in this episode and in SpongeBob in general, um, them, uh, being pulled up by, the fisherman so that that shot of the fisherman like pulling the fish up is um from fishing with john which i referenced earlier and then before i knew like that it was from fishing fishing with john um i just like had written down like there's a visible cigarette in this episode which i just don't think like you could get away with today on tv um but i just love how like just disappointed and just uh uh distressed the not distressed what's the word oh by the way this is one of the things that I forgot to put in the segment, soiled it. Um, so many freaking episodes. I, I kept saying the phrase, much to his behest. But the phrase is much to his chagrin. Behest, I'm pretty sure, means the exact opposite. It means, like, to encourage something. I'm doing a lot of live Googling this episode. I apologize. A person's orders or command. Yeah, that doesn't make it much to his behest. doesn't make any sense. So I apologize. Um, they are so dejected is the word I was looking for, which is just so hilarious that SpongeBob and Patrick are kind of unintentionally causing this much frustration with the humor uh, fisherman. Um, there is some really sharp uh, dialogue writing in this episode, and uh, it's just a fun environment to see whenever Squidward has to try and cook on his own, uh, which kind of gives you a picture of like what the Krusty Krab must have been like before SpongeBob got hired. Um, but so we get some of that here. But then specifically, uh, please appreciate Mr. Krabs' clever like writing and the and the banter between uh, uh, Mr. Krabs and Squidward, and then the smash cut at the end of this is so good. Hey, you! You call this food? My sandwich tastes like a fried boot. My sandwich is a fried boot. Hurry it up, will ya? We're hungry over here. Look at us. My kids are the yellow guy. That's not how you're supposed to Anyway. Mr. Squidward, what the hell of it's going on in here? It's a feeding frenzy, sir, and SpongeBob's not back from his break. Why? I thought you said SpongeBob was taking a break. No one's taking a break at the Krusty Krab since the Chum Famine of '59. <laughs> now, what were you saying? He took a break. All right, SpongeBob lazy pants, I'll find you. <laughs> what the halibut? I didn't catch that before, but I have written down so many ocean puns. What the halibut is really? That's really towing the line there on a sponge sponge swear. Um, okay, so uh, Mr. Krabs. After this, I, I appreciate his like genuine concern for SpongeBob and Patrick. Oh, also, I have to shout out. Of course, fried boot is very funny and. Uh, was a very popular meme for a time. I feel like that was one of the earlier um, 
viral spongebob memes but okay so something else that i want to uh shout out is mr Krabs' walk when he walks into the kitchen is so like three-dimensional in a, in a really cool way and um this was something that i learned on the researching uh, of the making of the show my research on the making of the show um is that steven hillenberg very intentionally like the character designs like they're very cartoony like in the traditional flat sense you know um but he specifically wanted the show to feel like very three-dimensional you know so i think that like a, a good example on the opposite end of the spectrum of this would be like fairly odd parents feels very two-dimensional like they're on two-dimensional planes the characters look like almost paper cutouts you know that's not uh you know dogging on fairly odd parents but um spongebob uh, steven hillenberg said that he wanted it to feel like they could rotate in any direction you know and so they've got specific um, designs for three quarter turns and stuff like that. And you can see them like walk and turn and stuff like that, which is just really, really fun. Um, and this was, of course, before uh, 3D television animation um, was at all a thing way before Jimmy Neutron. Um, OK, so anyway, Crabs uh, finds SpongeBob and Patrick, you know, and warns them um, about the consequences of their actions. It's heightened even worse than what Mr. Krabs was saying before. Um, they could turn into tuna and mayo. Just so funny. And the, and the cut away to those things is so funny. Like, again, just feels very season two, like cut to a live action, almost like Photoshop looking uh, thing on just a generic background. Um, but then, you know, SpongeBob is shaken and Patrick seemingly is shaken too, but especially SpongeBob is ready to prove himself loyal to Mr. Krabs again. Okay, Gary, today is a new day. I'm ready to prove myself loyal to Mr. Krabs. I'm ready! I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, 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 I'm ready. Hey, SpongeBob, you're going the wrong way! I always go to work this way. You're not going to work today. We're gonna go play hooky! But Patrick, we promised. Well, I had my fingers crossed. You don't have any fingers, Patrick. Well, that Mr. Krabs is just a big dummy. We played on those hooks all day long, and nothing happened to us. But Mr. Krabs said- Look, SpongeBob, are you gonna listen to a big dummy, or are you gonna listen to me? Uh... <laughs> That's very funny. I freaking love Patrick's contempt for Mr. Krabs. I think that it is so funny. He kind of has some contempt for Sandy too. Um, but just that like Mr. Krabs to him, like he doesn't really know him that well. And he's just like, oh, your your big sweaty boss like said this or whatever, you know. But he's in the moment, like he's such like a good like older cousin or like neighborhood friend type character because like when spongebob is getting a scolding in the moment patrick's like oh man but then after the fact patrick's like i'm not gonna listen to that authority figure in your life like why should i and you should follow me too which is just so so funny um and and patrick is just so he's used so well when he is like not doing the right thing but he's in the background about it and i think that kind of something similar happens with the episode rock bottom um because the episode you know isn't centered around him or focused on him but it's it's like 
he's getting away with it and you the viewer are like i don't think that he should be able to get away with that i feel like there should be consequences for what he's doing but you're not watching that play out with him you're watching spongebob debate like do, do the laws of the universe apply to me in a way that they don't to patrick um or not so that's just super super fun um spongebob of course you know he resists he, he goes and he's on his way to work. Um, he's not going to play hooky, which, of course, super fun pun. Uh, so silly. Um, I can't help but wonder if that was like that one pun was the <laughs> like premise for the whole episode. Um, but then he falls into the temptation. He's like, oh, one ride on a on a hook wouldn't hurt. Um, and then he gets hooked. He's hooked. I saw one person online say that this was. The whole episode was an analogy for drug abuse. I don't think that it is. I can see how like that phrase like I'm hooked would sound like, oh, no, like he's addicted to some drug or something. I really think that it's just meant to be like a play on for one hooky skipping school or in SpongeBob's case work. But then to just like the concept of like doing something that your authority figure told you you shouldn't do, um, but you keep doing anyway. And the hilarity that comes out of that. And then honestly, there are analogies, but I really do think that the creators have in mind just like the funniness of the hook concept, the hook, one might say, of this episode um, really is like enough to justify the episode in its own right. But anyway, uh, SpongeBob, you know, he he realizes that he's hooked and he has to get help from Mr. Krabs, which unfortunately entails confessing. Glad I got that out of my system. Free water for all your little friends. Thanks, Dad. Just don't forget to leave a tip for old Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs. SpongeBob, you're two minutes late. What kept you, laddie? Um, you know those hooks we were talking about yesterday? Didn't I tell you not to go near those hooks? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, you told me not to go near them. Well, you weren't playing on those hooks. Were you, laddie? Of course not. I mean, not exactly. I mean, yes! Yes, I did it! I admit it! <laughs> oh, Mr. Krabs, I'm so ashamed. I mean, look at me! I'm a hook! Mr. Krabs, of course, you know, he's sad about it, but he's going to move on. Um, and he puts up the help wanted sign. Kind of a throwback. I think that a couple things in this episode are intentionally meant to be throwbacks to the first episode. SpongeBob saying, I'm ready and on his way to work and then interacting with Patrick on his way. Um, but rather than being encouraged, go SpongeBob, you know, being encouraged, like, no, play hooky. Um, and then, of course, you know, in SpongeBob's mind, at least, Mr. Krabs, like, this is the end of the road for him and SpongeBob. He's like, well, that's it. Like, we're time to move on, and it's almost like a reset of the show. And then you, the kid, are like, oh, my gosh, is this the end of SpongeBob? You know, I'm sure it's, like, meant to be kind of the, the drama that you're feeling. Um, th this interaction between them is so fun and just feels like such classic dialogue. Like, SpongeBob, the strain in SpongeBob's voice. Like, Tom Kenny 
this is what SpongeBob sounds like to me. Uh, like this range that he's doing this episode is just like definitive SpongeBob for me, at least. Um, not too high, not too low. And you, it just feels like they're really relishing in the character interaction. Like the, the, the show is to a point now where they, it doesn't, it, it, it still is very, very visual, um, but it's not like this thing happens next, but rather like it's relishing in the funniness of these very, very unique characters interacting with each other. Well, it's not the end of the road for SpongeBob. As it turns out, uh, Mr. Krabs and Squidward are just trying to teach SpongeBob a lesson. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 Mr. Krabs. I can't do it. Anything but that. I understand. You were a good little fry cook, SpongeBob. But we'll find another. Hopefully, one that'll listen to old Mr. Krabs. Oh, Mr. Krabs, I'll listen. I promise. Whoa! Whoa! Please save me, Mr. Krabs. I promise I'll be good. It's SpongeBob Nudie Pants. <laughs> well, that was more of SpongeBob than I needed to see. Mr. Squidward, that was some fine angling. Do you think the lad has learned his lesson? Oh, I think he'll remember this for a long time. The pants, oh, I will. The underwear. <laughs> Somebody have a can opener. Very silly ending, <laughs> kind of an odd ending, but it's fun, and I and I do really enjoy this episode. Um, so SpongeBob has to remove all of his clothes, including his underwear, embarrass him, embarrasses himself in front of Pearl and her friends. I when I was a kid and today thought that like the whole joke like of SpongeBob being like, oh my gosh. I'm naked in front of all of these girls was always kind of odd. I mean, it's cute how like embarrassed and scared he is. Um, but I think that the joke is just supposed to, or it's not even a joke. It's just kind of like a motif of, of children's TV. Like, Oh, what are kids so embarrassed of? Like being naked in front of girls, you know, I don't know, not hating, just an interesting observation of the joke construction there. But, um, so yeah, that's that's the episode. Patrick returns in a can of uh, tuna, um, and that is just so ridiculous, so silly. the The animation too on this ending is like so fun. Like the catapults on the Krusty Krab sign is so good. The like Photoshop can that Patrick arrives in is so insane. Very very manic ending. Very fun episode. I love it. That's hooky. That, those are my thoughts. Write in with your thoughts. Am I being too harsh? Do you love it more? What are your favorite episodes from season one? And while you're writing in, let's take a quick break before we return with Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2. Ah, uh, Saturday morning in Bikini Bottom. SpongeBob is watching his favorite Saturday morning show, The Adventures of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, enjoying a bowl of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy brand cereal, and wearing the official Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy breakfast bikers. Mermaid Man, 
exposed by the power of Neptune, aided by his young ward. Aided by his young ward. What? Protecting the sea with feats of strength and agility. I think that this... Oh, welcome back, by the way. I think that this episode is so fun how it continues the continuity of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Like, I thought that right away when the episode started. Um, and then, of course, you know, when they find SpongeBob, it, it can carries that continuity um, and them remembering who he is, being that Sponge Kid, you know. Um, and I just think that that's so fun because continuity is not something that SpongeBob is super concerned with, but it's certainly there, you know, and, and that's part of the reason why uh, I love the movie so much because it does feel like a canon ending, which Vincent Waller <laughs> has gone on to say um, is, you know, there never was canon in SpongeBob, which kind of admittedly annoys me a little bit. But I understand that it's not, you know, it, it's a cartoon. It's primarily a kid's cartoon and it's not meant to be lore building or anything like that. But um that's why I, I love the movie because at least in my head canon that is the definitive ending of the series um, and every season that takes place past after it uh, like you know it, by release date I mean um, in my mind just takes place in between season three and the film um, but it's also uh, why the spinoff materials bother me so much because they're part of Vincent Waller's defense is like oh no they're like there has never been solid canon in spongebob and so we can retell like actually sandy met spongebob at camp when they were kids or whatever you know but i just i don't don't know like these original episodes do reference like how long characters have known each other like we saw especially those first few episodes of spongebob very intentionally establish so many friendships there's some that are like oh you know they've known each other for a long time such as spongebob and squidward spongebob and patrick but we see him meet sandy for the first time we see him get his job for the first time we see um him meet mermaid man and barnacle boy for the first time so i just really appreciate them kind of rewarding you as a kid like remember that episode they're back you know um which is just really, really fun. Um, the contest here is so funny to me. Uh, this title was originally, um, or this episode rather, was originally titled 25 Words or Less, according to uh, Jay Lender on his Twitter account. Um, that is because the original uh, story outline written by Mr. Lawrence was, um, it was primarily based around you know, SpongeBob getting this prize like he does in this episode, but from a competition where he has to write about why he loves Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy in 25 words or less. And Jay Lender emphasizes there, uh, yes, fewer than 25, not more, which is funny. They obviously didn't go with that, but the, the statue or the sculpture of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy made out of Krabby Patties is hilarious in its own right. Um, SpongeBob thinks that his idea has been stolen, but then he finds out that actually he did, in fact, win the prize. The real name of the winner is SpongeBob SquarePants. Woo-hoo! Oh, I wonder when my prize will get here. My prize! <laughs> <laughs> signal from the adventures of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy as seen on TV. I 
wonder if it still works. <gasps> Mermaid Man. Yes, Barnacle Boy? We're not in the invisible boatmobile, are we? Uh, nope. <laughs> Just more silliness of this really silly episode. Um, you don't need me to tell you this, but this episode, of course, was written and released at a time where, you know, getting a prize by mail, like, took a very long time. Getting anything by mail took a very long time like the joke still works today because i mean amazon can do like same day delivery which is insane but even that is like it's that day sometime not like instantaneous so the joke of getting something instantaneous i feel like still works today and and pops up still today Um, but especially at this time i'm sure you remember uh, i feel like it was in so many cartoons and shows but also just like happened in real life that like you know you'd get something in the mail, either a prize or you'd like enter a sweepstakes or just like redeem like some, I don't know, like the back of your cereal box for uh, a reward or something. And it would take like five to 10 business weeks to get there, which in kid years is like a lifetime. (laughs) So just extra funny that SpongeBob gets it so instantaneously. Tom Kenny's like line reading is so good. And then I just love the return of the paper boy um, from uh, Hall Monitor delivering it for him here. Um, the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy scene is just so silly and energetic. They are back. Um, part of the reason that they changed the title for this episode to Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2 was that Steven Hillenberg at the time felt that the title of the episode did not denote at all that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy would be in this episode. Um, so they should... Um, make that clear in the title and of course we have the return of Ernest Borgnine and Tim Conway as the titular mermaid man and barnacle boy and they are just so great and I'm so happy that they're like able to get them back and they'll of course appear several more times in the series but they are like some of the only you know guest stars in these original episodes which again sorry I keep bringing up like these receives wishes or whatever, you know, cause I'm really not trying to like read into it, but, um, I read again this week that, you know, so few celebrities appeared on SpongeBob because I think that Steven Hillenberg intentionally did not want the show. Th- this is like what I read myself. The source is close to Steve, uh, made it sound like he didn't want like a ton of celebrity appearances on the show, except for the occasional, appearance like this and it's just so fun that it's always like they were in some old fishing show or some old navy show that truly like i i try to find out who these people are you know like fishing with john in the last episode um but it's honestly really hard because these are some deep cuts that maybe like someone my dad's age could get anyway Love that they're back in this episode. It's just so silly and fun. And they come to the rescue to SpongeBob only to find that he truly does not need any rescuing. He's not disfigured. He's, he's just that sponge kid again. Oh, yeah. Oh, good to see you, lad. Say, Barnacle Boy, we've got to find out where that conch signal came from. Oh, that was me. I blew the conch signal, sir. All right. Where's the danger, son? Bring it on. 
Bring it on! Don't worry, there's no danger. No, no danger. danger? Look, there has to be danger. You blew the conch signal, and when you blow... Where'd you get that thing, anyway? I won it in a contest. Contest? They don't tell us anything anymore! <laughs> there's just such good, like, cynical old man humor in these episodes. Um, the... When they're leaving the house, uh, Mermaid Man will turn to SpongeBob and they both will give each, each other kind of this like finger guns at each other and like mouth click thing, which is just so delightful and so cute. Um, very uh, silly censorship <laughs> in this episode, of course, uh, referring to Mermaid Man flying in with no clothes on and being perfectly censored by um, his own slipper. And then Gary is just so silly. Um after this, I don't have a ton of specific clips because it's mostly visual and not like dialogue, stuff like that. Uh, but this, of course, leads into a montage of uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy constantly being brought back to SpongeBob after being told by him, only call us in emergencies. There's a very funny scene of, of SpongeBob dead. It's very similar to the ripped pants episode, but uh, he's like, need mayonnaise open or whatever you know um it's just, just very very funny um and they get pushed past their breaking points uh and um are they're gonna have to break spongebob's heart because he is breaking their backs That's it. give me that you're running us ragged must must as a, a clarion call we're exhausted i'm sorry barnacle boy I didn't mean it. I just wanted to spend time with you. You're my heroes. <laughs> it's too late for that, Mr. Contest winner. I'm going to destroy this thing with my sulfur vision. Well, I'll destroy it when I get back to the uh, Mermelair. Uh, and as for you... Monocle boy... Don't squash his enthusiasm. After all, he could be the hero of tomorrow or the villain. Besides, I remember another young whippersnapper who wanted to be a superhero. <laughs> you don't even remember breakfast, you old coot. <laughs> Maybe the conch signal is too much responsibility. But how would you like to spend the rest of the afternoon on patrol? What? on patrol this is just so good okay so for one thing um ernest borgnine is kind of like i mean he's a professional actor right and so part of the reason why they bring him on is because he doesn't sound like a cartoon he sounds like a seasoned man you know um but he does such a good job as mermaid man like he does not sound like a he's phoning in or b like he doesn't know what's going on like he's just it's just so perfect. I mean, Tim Conway too, but especially Ernest Borgnine. And I just love in his delivery how he's so seamlessly able to switch back and forth between like senile and you kind of feel bad for him. Like he should not be being put through what he's being put through. Um, but then also like so genuine while still a mix of senile, you know, you get that with t he could be tomorrow's hero or the villain. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, but then that he's just so genuine and cares so much. I mean, like he's like what you hope every, uh, former superhero actor or literal superhero is in that, like, they're not too cool to like, you know, let little kids gush over them and adore them, you know, um, really, really 
funny for one just in its own right the sulfur vision that um uh, barnacle boy has Jay Linder talks about this in uh, the oral history of SpongeBob SquarePants. He says, quote, I had this dumb gag in Barnacle Boy's sulfur vent vision in Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2, season one. And when Tim Conway got to that line, he said, what the heck's a sulfur vent? Suddenly, Steve had the chance to hold forth on marine biology. His eyes lit up and he delivered this long-winded explanation of undersea volcanism. Uh, And when he was done, there was this huge pause and Ernest Borgnine, who looks scary professionally, growls. Oh yeah? Prove it. For a split second, everyone's blood ran cold. Then Borgnine broke up and we all laughed so sweet i know that i'm pretty sure i've read that um quote before just talking about um how into marine biology steven hillenberg uh, genuinely is but just makes that joke extra sweet on its own right so spongebob um you know he, he promises that he won't uh overuse um the the conch ever again i mean he it, it's been taken from him. It's too much responsibility for him, right? Um, the conch, by the way, is a reference to Greek mythology. Um, King Triton uh, had a conch that he could use to summon um, storms or calm storms when he needed. Um, and then, of course, I think it's also obviously a reference to the bat signal. Uh, they go on patrol, and this is just so fun. I just pulled one clip that I think is just so um I don't know, just quintessential SpongeBob being SpongeBob downtown with his pals Mermaid Band and Barnacle Boy. Oh, that fellow over there used to be the Atomic Flounder. I know he doesn't look like much, but he could go back to crime just like that. (laughs) Help! Help! Help somebody there! You're under arrest, Atomic Flounder! Stop, kid! Stop! Let him go! You said he could snap just like that! What? Get off of me! If I weren't retired, I'd... I'd... Do that! Out of my way, punk! <laughs> the delivery is so good, and that, that's, of course, a reference to Godzilla, which I just need to acknowledge, you know, maybe that was obvious to you, maybe it wasn't, but it's very nerdy. Like, I think that Godzilla is more in the zeitgeist now because of, you know, the, the American remakes and stuff like that. Um, but that, at the time, was a very, very nerdy, specific uh underwater old movie reference um this episode works so well like kind of not a lot happens in the episode but it's just so like characters that you love and you just so enjoy watching them interact and play off of each other this is the sort of thing that if steven hillenberg had wanted to continue doing the show like i would be okay with just like hanging out with these characters i think that um it speaks to how well this episode works like that patrick's not in this episode too like so the last time that we saw these characters we got to see spongebob and patrick play off of each other um and you know try and impress these superheroes of theirs um but you really get to see like spongebob on his own just like gushing over them this episode um this next scene you know they even Mermaid Man himself has had enough. They sneak out of the diner that they're hanging out with uh, SpongeBob in and try to sneak off because they've had enough of his fanboyisms. Um, and we get what it's funny because it's really like only the last like minute and a half, two minutes or so. But I think that this scene is what, if you remember this episode, what you remember it for. We get the introduction of a classic 
Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy super villain. <laughs> Still getting burned on that tailpipe, huh, Barnacle Boy? <laughs> it's the dirty bubble in all his dirty roundness. <laughs> oh, no. I found it, and it's the special dance mix. Help! 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 Holy Krabby Patties! Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy's arch nemesis, the Dirty Bubble. I can't believe it. <laughs> you cannot save them, sponge of mystery. They are trapped by my awesome surface tension. <laughs> you don't understand. You're my most favorite supervillain. Can I have your autograph? Oh no! Oh, oh no, you fool! Stay back! The point! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Watch the point now! <laughs> you saved us, son! Yeah, yeah, you're a hero! I am? Are you up for another ride in the invisible boatmobile? Oh, jingle bells, mermaid man smells, barnacle boy laid an egg. The dirty bubble popped and the mermaid man and barnacle boy and SpongeBob got away. Watch out. So cute. What a sweet ending to the episode and, and perfect. That's so sweet because what better way to end season one. So that was the Dirty Bubble uh, voiced by actor Charles Nelson Riley. Um, again, my dad probably knows who that is, but I don't. Uh, the um, Dirty Bubble comes in so late, but it's such a like a cute kind of throwaway like evil villain or whatever. The concept of the Dirty Bubble really is like <laughs> kind of gross and disgusting, but funny. Um the like holy crabby patties like is such an awesome montage at the end um i i have to like shout out dirty bubble says like fear my awesome surface tension there's just like so many funny throwaway like water uh puns and jokes in this episode and the previous one and then you know the ending really is like it's done you know but i think that it it, it really really works um just because of how sweet it is and uh that ending them like doing a parody of the parody of uh jingle bells but in like the batman style you know um if you don't know what that is look it up uh it's, it's so sweet and then even like i was expecting it to end with like a squidward-esque line from tim conway as uh barnacle boy of like a can we go home now or something like that but it just ends on like oh, watch out like it's just so throwaway and so sweet and i just really really love this episode and really really love season one of spongebob squarepants so that is hooky and mermaid man and barnacle boy 2 and that is season one of spongebob squarepants and that is season one of Absorbent and Yellow SpongeBob Deep Dive. To the listener, again, I know that I've said this a lot, but genuinely thank you for listening. I hope that this is entertaining, um, not because the podcast, I mean, I hope that the podcast is entertaining, but I hope that this enables you to enjoy SpongeBob on a deeper level than ever before, uh, ocean pun intended. I know that this was a little bit of a longer episode. Uh, I thought it would be <laughs> one of my shortest episodes, but I just had so much fun reminiscing with my with my best friends, you guys. Anyway, that's the show. We will be back next week with a bonus in-between seasons episode uh, on the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water. See you then.
Bing Boob Squire Pin stole my idea. <laughs>